welcome to our pre-concert chat here for Lincoln Symphony Orchestra for this special Pops concert, which is uh, becoming a strong tradition here for Lincoln Symphony Orchestra, the Star Wars concert. It's called The Orchestra Strikes Back, which I think <laughs> is really fun. Um, Friday at the Lead Center, 7.30, depending on when you're watching this. If you're watching this um, well ahead of the concert, that's when it's coming up. I'm Genevieve Randall. I am with Nebraska Public Media. We do broadcast Lincoln Symphony Orchestra concerts sometimes on our occasional series, Nebraska Concerts, so you can listen for our concert like we're about to, to talk about here um, on that program, usually on Monday evenings. I'm joined here by our maestro, Edward Polichick. Ed is conducting this concert of Star Wars music, and we're also joined by Damon Lee, who definitely has some knowledge when it comes to film scores. So we'll talk about that. Welcome to both of you. Great Thank to you. be here, Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. I want to dive right into something about this um, Star Wars concert that I do think is kind of cool. When people think about pops concerts versus classical concerts, to me, there is sort of this just one through line. It's all music. It's all orchestral music. And just as an opera has music or a play has incidental music, movies have music because they're just not the same without it. And John Williams does something that even Wagner would do with characters, except I don't think Williams would call it a leitmotif, right? <laughs> but- He might, he might, I don't know. It's, it's a good, that's an excellent point though. When Darth Vader is, is around, we hear a theme, right? And um, there's themes for Luke. There's there's all kinds of themes. Who wants to talk to that aspect of of Star Wars music? I can do that. Damon, go for it. <laughs> yeah. So people do associate leitmotifs with John Williams, but recent scholarship they compare him more to uh, Verdi and Puccini than they do to Wagner because his leitmotifs don't get developed the same way that Wagner does. So they tend to be more themes in the original key that they were written in meant to just um, remind you of who you're talking about and um, some of the deeper psychological developments that happen in um, in Wagner don't really happen with John Williams. So they used to say it's kind of Wagnerian, but they don't really say that anymore. But <laughs> leitmotif is still considered part of his, part I, of his writing I, style. I agree with that. Ab absolutely. And I think that, that um, when you're talking about this particular music and this music is is massive i mean three trilogies plus extra other films and series that go along with it um the quality of this music i find to be uh really quite phenomenal pretty much across the board um it's like the most mammoth symphonic tone poem uh, ever written in history, um, if you put all of this music combined. And much of it, of course, is is John Williams, and he's credited with it. But people like Gerenson uh, and uh, Giacchino, I don't know how he says his name, Giacchino, Giacchino, it's also of that same quality. In other words, I, I see this, what you were saying in the beginning, Genevieve, about pops and classical, this music is is in a way it's it's crossover in many ways it's 21st 20th and 21st century crossover uh into the world of great symphonic music um uh and 
it's not just about the scoring for the film itself, which all of this is excerpted from, of course, but um, the, the major nuggets, as it were, of, of what they encapsulate, whether it be a, a situation or a character or a group of characters or a war, whatever it is, um, in itself is so um, incredibly well written uh, and, and expresses deeply the meaning of that situation or of that character that I think it's going to be one of these long, long lasting uh, aspects of music from the 20th, 21st century that's going to last for, for a long time. It's going to be the new classical music in many ways. Um, and the orchestrations are incredible. I mean, you know, everything about it is really top drawer. I was going to say, Ed, you know, it's super popular with audiences and the music is no small part of this whole series of Star Wars right. movies and, and spinoffs and whatnot. As you know, I mean, I've attended these before and people are allowed to come in costume. You guys will have a photo booth where people can take photos. Um, and I think, Damon, I didn't do a very good job in your intro, but I should tell our viewers and listeners here that you are a composer. Lincoln Symphony Orchestra has played some of your music before. You um, have studied well, you're currently teaching in Germany in Karlsruhe at the um, Hochschule für Musik there in Karlsruhe. So in your experience as a composer, what are considerations that someone like John Williams has to take when composing for films that are different than other kinds of composition? Um, I think you have to um, really get to know the film material and know where the emotional beats are. And you have to find out where the where it moves from poignant to aggressive to a chase scene and this kind of stuff and structure the music so that it has a, a natural kind of phrasing to it that sounds also musical. So like your eight bar phrases, four bar phrases, and make it so that you find tempos that match these kinds of things also the, like the the camera work if there's a, a perspective change from exterior to interior large to small these kinds of things that's usually when they put in some music moving from one place to another so it's like the the form of the film itself is dictating what you have to say musically and the more successful composers or not the more successful in terms of economics but the ones that do a good job with the media of film are ones that really master that understanding these um, underlying structures that get underlined by the music. And if you can do that, then you'll have good film scoring generally. And you know, John Williams, one of the best. It's, it's like that age old question, which came first, the libretto or the music, you know? And, and uh, so often we think of, well, a composer has gotten the libretto got the idea, in this case, a, a, a movie, a, a, a film, um, and was inspired then by such uh, an event to create the music to it. There's a, there's a whole uh, section in music history where the opposite was just the case. Um, and particularly in the early 20th century, P, uh, composers wrote their songs, uh, and then the, the librettists had to put words to them uh, to make it into the show, and that's why some of those shows are really very discombobulated, I must, I must say. But um, one of the, the great things, uh, and I'm, I'm gonna be 
uh, tooting your horn, Damon, about Damon is that he's not just a composer and, and a film score writer and teaching this, this uh, to students, uh, to our new next generational composers, but also he is, Damon is so um, uh, incredibly in sync with and, and, and acquainted with the, all of the music of the trilogies and all the, the whole Star Wars uh, ideas that I depend on him um, he has a brilliant way of, of, of excerpting things and figuring out what goes with what and everything else. And in essence, this is a, this program is is really his creation with almost all of my favorite things on it, <laughs> which makes it so fabulous for me, you know. And the orchestra, this is the also, and this I think is very important that when music of, of this type is uh, not only great but, and, and so well written, it's not just a joy for the listener, it's really a joy for the performers as well. And when you get that kind of thing going, I think that's what makes it quite so special. Hey, tell me about that collaboration between the two of you and how you put the program together. Oh, it's um, looking to see what's available because not the whole scores are not available. So we have to find out which excerpts are going to suit a concert well. And then the, the sequencing of it, making it so that we don't have too many marches in a row or too much fast music in a row and mixing it up with uh, the romantic themes and the chase scenes and stuff like this and not too much of the light side and the dark side and trying to find this kind of symphonic flow of how the the evening should go so we get a little bit of the the rebels a little bit of the the imperial forces a little bit of the new so we get mandalorian and i basically put it in a, a spotify playlist and just resequence it in different orders and tried to find one that that had more of a a Mahler-like symphony, um, <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> little little set of 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 sequences in it that make that make sense to me. Yeah, and I have to say, I have to say, it's brilliant. I really, I love it. Um, the whole program is like one massive symphony, or tone poem. I, I always keep, I go back to the tone poem because we when we think of symphony, we think of it in three or four movements or five movements or something. This has many movements, and they're all connected by themes and all. And I just, I, 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 I love doing this kind of music. It's, it's actually a great honor. It's a privilege to be able to do it. And, and it's it universally very, very loved. Even my little kids, yeah. they, they love this music. They've been listening yeah. to my Spotify playlist too and <laughs> recognizing some of the various themes. It's very cute I to see. Yeah. Why do you think that is, Damon? As a composer, arranger, hmm. what is it about John Williams' Star Wars? scores that just um, people that you can hook on to so easily clarity of intention i think it's like you can tell right away the good guy motive or the bad guy motive and it's orchestrated in a way that's like very um like somebody who doesn't waste things Every, everything that's there is the is the simplest way of doing it and very powerful and very evocative and you you know what you're dealing with straight away it's you not get a the you, you get you the get, essence of it, yeah. You get the essence right away and the whole way through. And and so I think that it can appeal to people that know a lot about music or don't know a lot about music or just young and learning about music. It's There's something very direct about it. This not wastefulness, this um, immediacy. Yeah, immediacy. Efficiency. Efficiency. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, very nice. Well, we've got a couple minutes left before we get to talk to um, another feature of this concert, which is our young artist. 
um, who is going to be playing some music by Tchaikovsky, which, wow, having John Williams and Tchaikovsky, I don't know if I can handle this much power in one concert, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Full forces all the time. So what else do you want um, our folks to know here about the Star Wars part of this concert? I also wonder, Ed, do you ever get distracted by all the costumes in the audience? Performers, you're used to performing with like just people dressed in normal clothes, but here you've got like Mandalorian might be in the audience in about 10 different places. <laughs> I, I happen to love it. Now, the, the, that's a difficult question for me to answer because the audience gets to see my best side. This is why I became a conductor, right? So I don't see them as often until I turn around. That's when I have the greatest time when I can, I can Spotify, Spotify <laughs> all of those those different characters and what's going on. Uh, it might be somewhat distracting for the orchestra. I'm not sure. I never actually asked them that. And I'm, now that you brought it up, I think I'm going to do that. Yeah, tunnel vision, those those orche orchestral players for the costumes, right? <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> or from the costumes. Wonderful. Damon Lee, it is such a pleasure to have you as part of the pre-concert chat and give us some perspective on how all of this is pulled together. Film scores can often be so weird if you ever buy a soundtrack and you get, you know, like there's a minute here and then a two minute because it's just for used for a little scene. And so it's nice that we get um, your assistance with seeing the complete picture, I guess, and uh, pulling all of this together. And thanks so much for talking to us about what it takes to compose for film. You're very welcome. Anytime. And so now we get to welcome to our pre-concert chat, our featured soloist here on this Star Wars concert, interjecting with some great Tchaikovsky, and that is Eunice Park, the young artist featured this evening. Eunice, it's so nice to meet you. Welcome. Thank you. It's nice to meet you all. <laughs> so well, Tchaikovsky, boy, you get you get to play a big one here with LSO. I'm so excited. <laughs> You know, it's it's an interesting thing because um, this is, we think, we look at a Pops concert as music that's not as complicated, not as important as the classical we like, you know, but, you know, this particular concert, as we were talking earlier, is music that is strongly sophisticated enough from the 20th and 21st century uh, to be, I think, considered uh, classical, classical pops, sophisticated pops that will be music that will last for forever. I really think is, and so it's not, it's not any kind of aberration at all to introduce a piece like Tchaikovsky in the in right in the middle of the program. We're going to have Eunice close our first half with the first movement of Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto. Absolutely. Well, so Eunice, I'm curious to know, lots of young artists will probably study the Tchaikovsky if they're studying violin for very long, but this might be the first, is this the first time you've played it with orchestra instead of like a piano reduction? Yes, this is the first time. <laughs> so totally different, right? Yes. What is the difference for you? Do you do you even feel it physically, the orchestra underneath you, as opposed to playing with a piano? Very. Because, <laughs> like, the piano's collaboration with me is so much different than hearing the melodies throughout the orchestra. So, like, an example would be after the cadenza. It's instead the flute coming to join me 
it's yeah <laughs> yeah so you get that different sound a lot more colors that you get than when you're just being accompanied by piano when is the very first time you ever looked at this concerto when did you start studying it it was when I was 13 right after my first concert actually with the orchestra so I read this after the Mendelssohn so it was like a complete change wow and yeah so I read it the whole concerto and then I went to some other pieces like Zigan and uh, Waxman Carmen Fantasy uh-huh to this hoping that you know I get a chance to play with the orchestra one day and I'm you so will I guarantee you Eunice you will I absolutely yeah, it, yeah there's no question and people can read in the program. I think your bio is printed in the program. So if you're watching this ahead of time, go look for the program <laughs> and read um, Eunice's full uh, bio there and read about what she's up to these days. Um, but when did you very first start playing violin? How old were you when you first became a musician? Six and a half. Six yeah. and a half. And I'm assuming you started with the, like the smaller sized violin and had to work up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that the first time you had to switch sizes in violins a lot of people don't know this that yeah. violinists cellists also lots of string players will start out on a smaller version of the instrument before they move to a bigger instrument what was it like for you it was it's it was really fun for me to choose between the violins because each oh. one had a different sound depending on like the wood and everything so yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> What's the violin that you play now? It's the, it's made by Andrew Ryan. So it's a model of the Garnerius 1737. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Very cool. And do you have different bows that you use too? I have one main bow and a secondary bow. But so the main bow is Lee Garthry. So it was from my violin teacher. Ah, how nice. Nice. That's awesome. So tell our listeners here, because, you know, not everybody who's watching this pre-concert chat plays the violin. <laughs> why, why would you switch to that secondary bow? Why have two bows? Because you always need a backup because you never know what's going to happen. And yeah, it's just really important to have a backup. Yeah. And usually your secondary bow is perhaps not the same, quite the same quality. Definitely. Um, <laughs> and, and very often musicians, for example, if they're playing uh, an outdoor concert, they won't use their good bow on, uh, on, in an outdoor concert. They would use a, a and, this, and some people even have secondary violins that will, they will treat it the same way, you know. Um, they don't want to take their Guaneris or whatever out, outdoors with a, a great uh, bow, so they'll they'll take the, the secondary one out. I have, to, I have one thing that's very interesting too about um, the difference between playing with an orchestra, soloing with an orchestra, and a piano. On a piano, because I mean, I as a pianist am so aware of this, and I played so many uh, uh, times with soloists. Um, a piano is actually a percussion instrument. And the moment you strike a key, that's where the sound is. Uh, whereas with an orchestra, you can, uh, like the very opening string melody in the, in the Tchaikovsky, 
is uh, uh, very lyrical, but it won't it won't be like there immediately. It blossoms rather rather than doing it. So sometimes it can be a little unnerving. And I knew this even when I was a pianist. And I, I the first times I was playing with the orchestra, I was like, "Oh, am I ahead of them?" Because I'm playing, you know. So I'm waiting for the sound to come. Uh, uh, you have to trust uh, what the conductor is is indicating and um, and keeping the, the the sound of the soloist and the orchestra together um, uh, for for you know a really great ensemble. And I have to warn people too, especially those who know uh, the, the uh, Tchaikovsky, is that we had to do a few cuts in the first movement because it is a, a long. It's one of the longer movements for a violin concerto, especially of the time. Um, but it, it's essentially the whole, the, most of the movement. So, and I have to say that Eunice, you played so beautifully uh, each and every year, Lincoln's Symphony Orchestra uh, offers a competition called the Young Artist Competition. And it's for uh, younger performing artists um, to get a chance to play with an orchestra. And so we like to feature them not just on a, 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 a in a rehearsal or an off kind of concert, but this is a big because you'll have a you'll have a great sized audience for yourself, and I can guarantee you they are going to just love you to death. You, <laughs> this is going to be wonderful. Um, but she really did. You did such a beautiful uh, audition. Uh, 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 your um, control. Uh, it's all behind the screen, so we don't know, you know, if it what the gender is. We don't know how old. We can't get an idea. You know, we just have uh, just the music, the artistic aspect to listen to. And hands down, you were just spectacular, Eunice. So I really want to congratulate you uh, for winning the competition. And I very much look forward to our time together on stage. Thank you. Me too. I can't Great. wait. <laughs> That is going to be so awesome to hear you play this Tchaikovsky, Eunice. Thank you so much. And what's next for you after playing this Tchaikovsky movement with Lincoln Symphony Orchestra? Um, I'm not totally sure yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair enough. <laughs> I'm going to go back to Waxman, Carmen Fantasy, because I haven't like done a lot with it yet. So. That's a great piece. Maybe we'll do that together someday, too. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Eunice Park, so she's playing the Tchaikovsky. Ed Polachek is then also leading the orchestra and all kinds of music from Star Wars on this concert called The Orchestra Strikes Back. And <laughs> on when you're watching this, this concert is on the lead center stage, and that's Friday, February 16th, 7.30 p.m., which if you're watching this at the concert, you already know, but you could be watching the head. we got to keep all these viewers in mind. Ed Polachek, <laughs> Eunice Park, thank you so much for being part of our pre-concert chat. Thank, thank you. you. What a pleasure. Thank you. Me too, thank you.